My name is Jackie Ward and I'm the Early Learning Coordinator at the Department of Education and I'm joined here today with my colleagues uh, from Little Scientists and I'll get you to um, introduce yourselves. Yeah, hello, my name is Sibylle, uh, Sibylle Seidler. I'm the uh, Project Director of Little Scientists. Hi everyone, my name is Heike Hendershot and I'm the National Training Manager at Little Scientists. And uh, my name is Hayley Bates. I'm in charge of uh, national certifications, which um, uh, means that I, I look at um, Little Scientist House program. Um, I'm also uh, one of the head trainers, a uh, bit of a bit of a jack of all trades. Awesome. Thanks, team. And thanks for joining me in the podcast today. I'm really excited to um, have a podcast focusing in on STEM in the early years. Um, and I just want to start off by, um, I guess, by talking about the links in the early years learning framework, because our framework as it's structured doesn't have sort of specific content areas. I think it's not always as easy for our early childhood educators to see where some of those subject areas come in, but definitely in um, learning outcome number for with children um, developing confidence as learners, there's lots of um, talk in that outcome and the key components around, you know, um, engaging and working scientifically, um, exploring and using mathematical language, you know, exploring um, trial and error and hypothesizing and all those sorts of things. Um, and of course, this is a really nice opportunity to, to again promote and talk about our continuity of learning um, between the early childhood space and the early years of school because the pedagogy in that space is the same. And I think there's really, it's really important too to call out the importance for very young children engaging with concepts of science, technology, engineering and maths because they're very much 21st century skills. And I think we all know how important those skills are and those dispositions are to take into school. And I also think that this is the one area where children um, have the opportunity to, to potentially fortify themselves um, and gain that real confidence as learners. Let me just jump in there. So Zibele here. Um, so Little Scientist is a profession development program for early childhood educators specifically. Um, so we usually say um, we target um, children or the beneficiaries really are children aged three to six years old. Um, so as you can see already, Jackie, like what you refer to, like we really uh, see us also on that transition point from the early years to transitioning into school. Um, as you said, like that's a really, really crucial time in a child's development as well. So what we do is like we offer um, STEM uh, workshops, um, but they are not only solely focused on STEM topics. Um, in every single one of our 10 face-to-face -face workshop topics, we do have um, pedagogy rolled in as well. So it's a very holistic and long-term program. So with Little Scientists, it's not just come to one workshop and that's, you know, your tick box is done. Uh, you've done STEM. It is really like we encourage educators um, to go on a STEM journey with us. So that's how we really see it. It's a it's a journey of uh, personal and professional de development together with the children in their care. I thought it was really interesting how you know, there was a lot of support, I guess, from that pedagogy point of view, but also understanding the concepts and the ideas themselves as educators, which I think can often be a barrier to all teachers and educators in both spaces, early childhood and schools, to engage with um, some of this type of learning, you know, because they're not as confident themselves. You mentioned um, those uh, 21st century skills, Jackie, and, and I think that's 
sort of what I would like to get across to people is the that that focus on STEM and and quite a lot often it's um, educators are not as confident in STEM subjects themselves. Um, but uh, we try and focus on that um, spotting the STEM in the everyday and uh, developing those, those STEM skills. So though, that um, communication of STEM and that um, uh, the resilience and the critical sk thinking skills rather than bombarding uh, educators with um, facts and, and push, pushing facts onto children as well. So it's more a, a journey of discovery. Well, and that's the great thing, isn't it? Because those are the things that you can investigate together as learners, can't you? Educators and teachers and children can do that learning of the facts and all those sorts of things together when you approach it from that um, point of view, definitely. And I'm just uh, on our workshops, um, they're really hands-on workshops, you know? So it's like we want educators to come into the workshops, be it online as well as face-to-face, and um, and leave all those inhibitions at the door. Like we often feel that um, as adults, not just as educators, but as adults, we have sometimes forgot to be curious. Like it has almost been like trained out of us. <laughs> so when you come into the workshops, you know, it's really about enabling uh, the educators and, and the participants in the workshops to step back into the children's shoes, you know, to see the world around them uh, with children's eyes and that way when they go back into their classrooms or into their early learning setting uh, they can as Haley said earlier like they can learn and explore alongside the children so that is kind of like the at the heart of it as well you know to yeah and curiosity I think that there's an opportunity for then educators to use that pedagogy in other situations, in other things that they're facilitating with children's learning because it's that sort of project-based, inquiry-based approach to, you know, being a little bit more structured, I think, with a play-based approach as well because people don't always see how the two things can align, you know, and where the interest needs to come from. So I think that's a really important aspect. But I did want to jump back to you, Sibylla, just to talk a little bit about this being a, a you know, like a nationally run out, uh, rolled out program that's, you know, funded and supported by the Australian government as well. Because I think it really shows that our, you know, that we as a, as a country, I guess, are committed to STEM in early childhood as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we're really grateful for that. So um, uh, I remember that when I started with Little Scientists um, seven years ago, ago now, like often like we, uh, we went into, you know, like into uh, primary um, primary conferences, you know, or STEM conferences. And I was often the only person in the room saying, but STEM starts earlier. It starts earlier than just primary school. And particular, um, the little scientists' um, concept of inquiry-based, play-based learning, you know, play-based STEM learning, that has to start earlier. And so we are very grateful that since uh, July 2016, uh, we have been uh, recipients of some federal government grants that have enabled us to take the Little Scientists program uh, nationwide and to roll out and scale up. Um, so this has been uh, terrific. And the way that we do it, like we build local network partnerships. So SELA is one of our local network partners uh, in New South Wales, but we have other partners throughout the country. And those partners, uh, we have a train the trainer concept. They come to our Little Scientists train the trainer workshops, and then they basically go back into their communities and uh, run and facilitate the little scientists educator workshops. And in saying that, that's an also like a really critical and important 
um, concept and an approach that we have at Little Scientists because we know that our partners, our those educators and facilitators, they know they know their communities best. You know, they can really kind of tailor it to their particular communities' um, needs and and uh, and wants as well. It's really drawing on the, you know, the research around high impact professional learning and the research in the early childhood space that says that you can't just go to a PL and then expect uh, practice to change. You need to have that ongoing networking. You need to have that ongoing engagement and preferably over time and building your knowledge and having a chance to come back together to solve problems that you might have had when you tried to implement that practice or make a change. And, you know, the notion that um, whole services do things together as well is another great thing because it's often hard to make a change at your service if you're the only one that's been to a professional learning. So I think it's a really great model in that regard as well. I think we're going to move on now to talk a little bit about, um, you know, co-constructed learning environments and providing some examples. And I think Heike's going to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jackie. So I guess um, I've been listening to all of you and um, I agree with everything that was said. And uh, I want to just hook in there and talk about what's most important for me about this. And that actually is the educator's um, reflective practice journey, I want to call it, uh, where we invite them to consider and reflect on their role in regards to the children and what they can do to provide an inquisitive learning environment. And that's where the idea of co-constructivism comes in. Because what it means is that children are capable learners who can create an image of the world themselves, but, and that's really important, in a social setting. So they're capable, but they at the same time require other people to really shape their world. And so for us as educators, the big question is, what does that world look like? What does an inquiry-based, co-constructed learning environment look like? And the beauty of it is that it's very individual. You shape it together with your children, um, but it also requires a certain understanding of what it could look like. And even more so, it, it really requires for you to understand where you're coming from where what how your own journey has shaped you um what your relationship is to the children what you want it to be like and also in terms of stem what your relationship to stem is because a lot of us as you said have um have a have an interesting let's call it relationship <laughs> with stem which was potentially shaped by their own experiences in school and so these are all the things that we address in this program is What's my relationship with STEM? What's my relationship or what's my understanding of my role as an educator or as a teacher? And what can I do to develop this inquisitive, co-constructed, collaborative environment where children can really you know, delve into what they want to learn and how can I support them in this learning process? 
That is a really great point. And I love that you've touched on a few things there that I wanted to sort of pick up and um, emphasize is that what you've talked about there is really good examples of critical reflection. I follow a lot of Facebook groups and hear a lot from educators where they're not really sure what what do I do in terms of critical reflection, what sort of questions I can ask. But those that you just posed then were really great examples of thinking about, you know, your own experience and what you bring to the to the situation and the learning environment as a learner. But the other thing that I think is, you know, somewhat sort of people are not sure where to place it is the idea of drawing on theorists and the theoretical framework that you're referring to there, Heike, is about um, is about that um, Vygotsky's theory of, you know, that scaffolding learning and the learned other, which might be other children, it might be the teacher in that situation and that idea that there's a co-constructing of learning. So I don't, I've never believed that, um, you know, linking to theorists has to be overt, but understanding that you're linking to the theorist in that work is really important as well, because then when you're doing that critical reflection, you can sort of reflect on how well you did that scaffolding and how well you built on, you know, that social context of building on each other's ideas and how that sort of panned out. So it's a really interesting concept. And um, I think that's a really great thing for people, as I said, to learn about and then apply to other areas, you know, that aren't STEM related. You know, they might be talking about, you know, learning outcome number one, building children's identity or learning outcome number three, where they're talking about, you know, social and emotional competence. These are good examples of where there's, you know, multiple learning happening at the same time across the, the five learning outcomes yeah for me um we talked about this earlier we often use the analogy of the toolbox when we talk about the skills that educators can acquire in our program and for me the theorists and the um the the concepts the educational concepts behind this are one tool of many 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 different tools that educators can um can collect I would say, in their journey. And Little Scientist is obviously not the only program or the only way to acquire skills and knowledge and understanding. But so, um, the, as I said, the theoretical concepts are one tool that educators can use, as you said, to reflect back, to get a bit of an understanding of what it could be like, um, and then apply it to your own setting in a very individual way. And I think this is something that we stress a lot in our workshops is we give you the ideas, we give you the tools, whatever they may be like. It might be a, a really particular STEM activity. It might be a theoretical concept. It might be an educational method or concept. And then it's up to you to decide how you apply this in cooperation with your team and very importantly, with your children. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. Because I can imagine if we're talking about, you know, exploring concepts of, you know, the environment or, um, you know, natural phenomenon, it's going to be different in everyone's context, isn't it? If you're in a school in, you know, the middle of Broken Hill, if you're in a preschool there, it's, you know, your surroundings are different, your environment's different, you know, there's going to be different things that are a priority. Um, you know, we've got the, you know, recent example with the floods, there's lots of things that would be being explored in those areas or could be being explored in those areas around, you know, whatever's happening in your context at a time. But it's also a nice, um, a really nice lead in, I think, to our next point, which is talking about the role of the educator in that inquiry based environment and talking about challenges and opportunities for educators new to STEM inquiry. And I think one of the things that I wanted to point out here is that 
you know, this is a this is an opportunity, I guess, for for educators to really unpack what do they do and unpack what they think about their their role is in relation to intentional teaching, and it's a good example of where the teacher's gonna the ed teacher or educator is gonna take on multiple roles and use a multi you know like a range of different techniques from things that are really instructional when you're doing some you know experiments or or you know you're flowing through the research cycle or whatnot from from very instructional to being more passive where you might just be being a scribe or a quarter of ideas and further provocations and the children are really taking the lead. I think that's a really great point but I also think it's it's um, important to highlight um, children's um, roles and different roles within our in that peer group learning as well so looking at the way the different roles that children take within an investigation um, and just um, being mindful of of how we affect that um, those roles and we don't always have to be leaders we don't always have to be mm. the person who who leads a, an investigation I, I saw it done beautifully once where I I went to a a preschool and I was introduced as the scientist and and um, the educator said oh has anyone got a question for Hayley and I I, I, I hate that moment because you know you have to come up with an answer on the spot and I don't like giving answers I like finding out alongside the children and um, and the educator just completely turned it around she said oh you know that's a fantastic question how are we going to find that out and then a couple of uh, children had some ideas and she right there did all her planning. She she said, right, OK, you're the investigation team. Who's going to provide the equipment? What equipment do you need? Um, are you, you going to be responsible for bringing that in? Are you going to are you going to be the recorder? Are you going to be the observer? Uh, who, who would like to, to take the lead on this? And it was just so beautiful. Um, and I didn't have to provide an answer, which was even better. Uh, and Sounds then, like a very skillful educator there. Oh, it um, was just, yeah. it was beautiful. It was one of my little scientist houses actually in, in South Australia. And I, I, I just, but what was clear was those children had practiced those skills in the past. They they obviously were used to um, having different investigation teams and they'd, I, I'm not saying that it always works every single time, but these these children had, had obviously had some practice of taking those different roles and running with them. So uh, it was it was a real uh, real education for me actually um, seeing that it, in action. It does um, sort of, I guess, flag a really important point to me too. If you, so in order to be embracing STEM in the early childhood space with very young children, and I think this, you know, this can happen from babies all the way up, that you really need to have your image of the child is really important here, isn't it? That they're capable and that they're competent. And that story that you told then, Hayley, it showed that that educator had really empowered those children to be taking ownership and taking the lead, and she really saw them as capable and competent of doing all of those tasks. So I think, you know, it's thinking about those shifts as well, isn't it, to think what are they capable of? But, yes, yes. I agree. But also having that um, as an educator, having that view of yourself as a competent, capable learner and, mm. and having that confidence to to set that up and, and to run with it and 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 not simply sort of say okay that's in that too hard basket or or yeah I've never been a fan of maths and I know Heike can can definitely uh, 
expand on that. Absolutely. I've been nodding the entire time. <laughs> I absolutely agree that, um, yes, the image of the child is really important, but talking to a lot of educators over the years, I feel like the majority, the vast majority of them have this image of the child. But what's a lot harder is to have your own, like to reflect on your own image. And it's an ongoing process. It will, and I'm sure you can all attest to this, it never ends. You you check in with yourself on a regular basis and you decide what your intention is on a momentary basis. And I think that's the important thing you can't really know exactly what's going to happen in our educational approach. You don't plan ahead in detail because there's always this big question mark of what's going to happen. But that is actually the beauty of it because that's where a lot of this, these great things can happen. So you have your structure, but then you just let it go and go with the flow. And this is a really hard one. Growing up in a society where educators and adults are meant to know what to do all the time. And um, this is the challenge, but this is the beautiful thing to really let go and see what happens and then step in when you think it's necessary to step in, but also just really enjoy the process because that's where wonder grows by being yeah. in together with children. That's Can a I really just... good point. And I do think that I was thinking that all along when you guys are talking too, is it's that discourse that teacher is the expert. Teacher doesn't have to be the expert. Actually, teacher is the co-learner, the co-researcher, the teacher or the educator is on a journey as well, aren't they? And I think, you know, that notion of saying that you've got these ideas and teaching strategies that stem from what you're trying to achieve in relation to the early years learning framework allows you to be open to the direction of wherever that um, experience is going to head you. Because the main things is that you're facilitating learning in relation to the learning outcomes and then the other stuff can take care of itself. And you know what, Jackie, just jumping in there, um, I would actually like to, just from personal experience, bring another group in because we talk about children and educators. Um, just from a parenting and carer, carer's perspective, I think as parents and carers, there's a lot or family perspective, there's a lot that we can take away from there as well. Because I know when I first start, you know, like I was first um, participating in little scientists workshops in that inquiry based thinking that opened my eyes to how I parent as well. Because often as parents, we also struggle with, you know, letting go and kind of like and facilitating, you know, that journey alongside our, uh, alongside our children as well. So, you know, it's, it's actually I think it's something that's almost like for parents and carers would also be a great tool to have. Yeah, I agree. And I couldn't agree more because this is a really great opportunity. There's a window of opportunity to advocate for early childhood learning too. And it's a great opportunity in this space to talk about STEM in the early childhood years and, and how that transfers over to school because it's an obvious thing that families know that happens at school. So I think it's a great opportunity to involve families um, along the way and, yeah, encourage them to, you know, whereas terms like, you know, learning through play can be a bit ambiguous for families to really, you know, understand and engage with, whereas when you talk about it within the frame or the context of STEM, it can make a little bit more sense, I think, for them as well. Um, should we move on then to to talk a little bit? So you guys have talked a little bit about the professional learning that you offer and the opportunity to sort of, you know, attend many workshops and, and be a part of a network and all that sort of stuff. And that leads up to the fact that, that services can get, then get um, a little scientist certification. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Hayley? 
Well, I, I just thought it, it um, uh, segued perfectly there from um, how do we communicate to parents uh, and the wider community what is happening and how to um, open that discussion of inquiry-based learning and, and play-based learning and, and explain the, the level and depth of knowledge and the level of depth of those um, 21st century skills, if you like, um, that are, are being developed um, when you know you you are often faced with that um, communication problem. So um, uh, that's where we where we started from with the Little Scientist House program. Um, it helps us um, highlight to parents in the wider community um, that we are um, celebrating inquiry-based STEM and and that sort of. To be honest with you, for me, it's just the, the love and the joy of learning, um, mm. that real sort of sense of, I, and, and Heike mentioned it earlier, that sense of curiosity and wonder. And that um, I, I'd just like to, to sort of get that out there, that um, in my mind, the, the Little Scientist House is a celebration of, of what's being achieved in, in, our, in our sector and in our, um, in our centres and our services. So um, uh, the Little Scientist House program, it's a certification program. Um, so it's um, uh, centres and services that have gone through a certain amount of um, professional development with us um, so that we know that they are um, on the same, on the same board, you know, on, on board with, uh, with our, our pedagogy. Um, and then we... Um, we look at a project um, that they um, that the they have done with the children, um, and we're trying to build that sort of community, that sort of neighbourhood of houses, um, so that we can share what is best practice and what is happening within those centres. Um, we showcase a lot of uh, our um, little scientist houses uh, work on our um, on our website, so that um, other services can learn from that um and we we're, we're trying to um basically support our drill scientist houses and get the word out there about in inquiry-based learning so. i think that's a really good point that you've made there Hayley. that's the most popular thing that people always ask for can i have an example of what this looks like in practice you know so sharing those stories and sharing those projects is is amazing to be able for people to be able to sort of say well how might that work in my context and also, I can see that this is a great opportunity to showcase, you know, the way that you are engaging with the broader early childhood um, community, I guess, you know, in terms of assessment and rating and, and meeting the national quality standards. But also, I think, in terms of making connections with local schools as well to support that transition to school, because I think you know, local schools would be really interested in that as well. And and again, to reiterate, it's another opportunity for the broader community to understand that real learning is happening in that early childhood space and that children are very capable in that space to explore some really complex um, ideas. Well, we've had such um, incredible projects and such incredible um, uh, things achieved by some of the little scientist houses. We've had um, uh, whole community um approaches to native bees and bee planting and and giving away plants and things we've had um we've got the early stem award which is is actually coming up as well which is uh, 
a chance for all um, uh, services in Australia to um, showcase what they're doing and, and look at that um, uh, to, to submit a project and uh, look at what um, what other uh, services are doing as well. So um, and I'm, I know that uh, Sibylla was going to um, elaborate on that. Well, I was just going to say there, um, you know, just to add in there, what a great opportunity too for people to get um, some acknowledgement too for their great work because that's something that I think often early childhood educators feel like that there isn't an acknowledgement of, of their contribution and their work because the little people are too little to remember the important work that or the influence of their early childhood teachers. I'm going to say to everybody now, because I know, Hayley, you've just had a bit of a chat, but I know um, Sibylla and um, Heike might like to say something else before we kind of wrap up. So I'm going to give each one of you a chance to have a turn. Would you like to go first, Sibylla? So um, thank you for the opportunity um, to have this conversation, this very important conversation about inquiry-based STEM learning. And um, I really wanted to reiterate that um, it is so important to celebrate those successes, as you mentioned, Jackie, you know, like very often um, being an early childhood educator and particularly one that, you know, that nurtures STEM and STEM inquiry can be quite isolating. You know, like often it's it's one person or two people within a service that, that have that interest and, and, and push it forward. But what we want is like we want to really want to bring like a whole of service approach and we want to create um, ambassadors and, you know, like really lighthouses to, that, that shine bright within their communities. Well, that's amazing. Thank you. And uh, Heike, would you like to say anything else? Well, actually, I just want to wrap it up by, um, by mentioning that there are two sentences that I do not want to hear anyone say ever again. <laughs> One of them is, I don't know anything about STEM because it's not true. So if you say this about yourself, and I used to be one of these people, so I know what that feels like, but don't say it ever again because it's not true. If you don't believe uh, me, go to a little scientist workshop and we'll change your mind. And the other thing I never want to hear again is I'm only an educator because your role is so important. And I have heard the sentence so many times and I think it's time to stop thinking that education or an early childhood educator is not one of the most important roles we have in our workforce, because it really is. Oh, that's lovely. That's beautiful, positive notes to finish in on. Um, I could, can't thank you guys enough. I think it's been um, a really interesting podcast. I hope our audience agrees and um, definitely do some further research and, yeah, start changing the world tomorrow with uh, supporting young children to engage with STEM. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.